Welcome, Heartland. Hey, it's not every Sunday we put play toys on your seat, but if you came in, the rubber band on your chair was not an administrative error. It was actually intentional. So in order to have it available to us toward the end of our service, I'm just going to encourage you to do what I've done with mine. Just, just put it on your wrist. Pick a wrist. And by the way, if you prefer a different color than the one that was on your chair, take the one from the chair next to you or negotiate with a neighbor. What I would ask that you do is not snap your neighbor. Okay, that's later. We'll get to do that toward the end. You can look forward to that. But uh, for right now, just make sure you have access to it. Slip it on your wrist and we'll come back to it. <clears throat> I don't know if you've had the opportunity to uh, be taught how to water ski, but that happened for me in my junior high years at Lake of the Ozarks. We were in Illinois, but my parents found the Lake of the Ozarks and we would drive down and we would spend vacation time down at Lake of the Ozarks. And one of the things that I looked forward to was learning to water ski. If you've had that experience, you'll identify quickly with this. If not, you may wonder, why in the world would anyone ever want to learn to water ski? So this may be a negative advertisement if uh, you've not had this opportunity. What happens in water skiing is you submit yourself to drowning. It's willful. It's, it's characterized as fun. This is going to lead to really good things. So get out of a boat, perfectly good boat, by the way. Get out of the boat. Put these pieces of wood on your feet, hold on to a rope, and we're going to drag you through the water until you figure out how to stay on top of the water. <laughs> now, this comes with a lot of instructions. These are very excited and confident people who have already achieved this, and they're telling you, telling me, I can do this. And what I hadn't anticipated was as I got in the water, everyone's attention on the boat is on me. I suddenly am on stage. I'm not just trying to survive this experience. I'm, I'm actually supposed to succeed at this. Now, my father's convinced this can happen. My only conviction was, I hope I don't die doing this. That was it. So here the attempt goes. We, we, we get it started. We, we have that first pull up out of the water and invariably, you know, it's face plant. Down we go. Now, one of the most important elements of instruction was let go of the rope. As soon as you end up in the water, let go of the rope. But it was like the only connection I had to a life I knew. And so I held on to the rope and, you know, drink half the lake. I don't remember how many times it took me to figure out I can let go of the rope. I can let go of the rope and not die. In fact, if I hold on to it, I probably will die. I think there were probably 20 attempts. And by the way, every time this happens, the boat has to come around in a circle and, you know, get the rope to you and then take off again to come around in a circle. I'm not in touch with how exhausting it is for them. But for myself, I recall hurting everywhere and wondering, who said this was fun? This this doesn't seem like fun. And yet I stayed with it and I stayed with it. And I remember the first time I got up, wobbly, legs are splitting, you know, all this stuff's happening and we're picking up speed and you're lurching forward and pulling back. It, it's, it's quite a drama. There's a lot of tension. In fact, it's necessary tension in order to ski between you and the boat and this rope. And eventually you're up. The one thought I remember having is, what do I do 
after I get up. I don't know what to do next. I'm, I'm like stuck in this up position. I'm just stuck faster. It's rough. It's rough. I found myself as I let go exhausted and overwhelmed by this fun opportunity. They continued to try to encourage me later to get back in, try it again and so forth. I, I passed on it until the next day. And then the next day, and after several days of intentional drowning, uh, skiing uh, became a reality. If only life were like water skiing. If only life involved a few days of feeling underwater. And then you come above water and it, it makes sense, it works. You kind of have it dialed in, you have it figured out. But the reality is most of life feels exhausting and overwhelming. It's this very feeling, this very condition that Jesus has entered into and Jesus has identified with and Jesus begins to speak to people just like you and me who when we think about the challenges of everyday life, we don't think about them as fun and exciting, as a ride we get to take that's going to be full of adventure and new learning and, and some skills. We, we tend to think of it as, wow, I, I wonder how this week's going to go. I wonder how I'm going to be in the midst of the week that's ahead of me. So what we discover is that Jesus has been offering this invitation to us over and over again. In fact, we've, de we've described this series as an all-access series. This is Jesus' constant invitation to you and me to be renewed and restored in the difficulties of life while we're living it. And today what we're going to discover is that Jesus has extended us an all-access pass, us being those who are exhausted and overwhelmed. Not simply exhausted and overwhelmed by outside circumstances, but because of the exhaustion and the sense of overwhelming load we feel inside. He's talking to us. The audience he's first spoken this to was very familiar with oppression. They got political, ethnic, social, spiritual oppression. His people, the Jewish people, were actually under the oppression of the Romans. They were also under the oppression of their religious leaders. Their religious leaders had told them, by the way, here's what God expects of you. And if you can meet the standard God expects of you, he might accept you. Now, Jesus steps into that context. He lives so differently than they lived. He is God in the flesh. He is a human being as you and I are. He's representing the Father to all of us. And yet he's living so differently than what these leaders said God expected. So in the midst of the oppression, Jesus shows up and he begins to live a lifestyle that puts at odds this lifestyle of the religious leaders. This sense of oppression was widespread. It was personal and daily. They felt it. They were under it. There was a sense they carried 
that no matter what they tried, no matter what they did, it would never be enough. It would never be enough to be in right relationship with God, others, or themselves. So why try? Have you ever felt that way yourself? I just simply can't do enough to be all right with, to meet the expectations of others, of God, or, or even myself. Just need to give up. That's the audience Jesus makes this offer to. It's captured for us in Matthew chapter 11, beginning in verse 28. Read along with me as we look at it. <clears throat> Jesus says to us, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're like me, you can hear that, you can see that, you can read that, and you can think to yourself, when I think of God, the last thing I think of is easy and light. If you hear God and you think of his expectations of you and you don't think easy and light, you're like most of us. Most of us have been presented a picture of God that isn't easy, it's like impossible to do. It is so hard. Cannot meet his expectations. And you don't think of it as light in load, you think of it as the weight of the world. That's what these people thought. And so when Jesus is offering this, he's offering it to those who are weary. I'd like to suggest that weary equals exhausted. In all the expectations that have been laid out, they're exhausted. They're done trying to meet them. When he says burdened, he's talking to those who are overwhelmed. They've been carrying the weight of the world unsuccessfully. They're broken down by it. It's overwhelming. For us, that probably feels like it did for them. It's living lives of dissatisfaction. I just can't make the grade. I can't make this happen. I'm unable to succeed as I believe I could or should. What basically Jesus is saying to them, he's saying to you and me, if we've gotten to the point where we're sick and tired of being sick and tired about trying to make our lives work our way or make our lives work to meet other people's expectations or to make our lives work thinking we're meeting God's expectations, but in so doing we've experienced exhaustion and overwhelmness. If that's the case, come to me. I actually have something very different for you. The effect of that difference will be rest for your souls. So this is Jesus' invitation to them. Come to me, and when you hear that phrase, think of see me and hear me. 
This was so important to God, he offered us four letters in the scriptures about Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He wants us to get Jesus. We can come to the scriptures. We can open the Bible. We can read about Jesus, who he is as a person. How did he conduct himself? What was his character like? How did he relate to others? We can see him and we can hear him. And when we come to him, he's offered us the opportunity to do that for us. Second, he says, receive from me my yoke, my expectations, he says, are easy. Learn from me. This isn't going to happen in a moment. We're going to be unlearning some things as we're learning new things. We've already established patterns. We've embraced things we think will make our life work, and we're holding on to them, even though they're killing us. It's like my not letting go of the rope behind the boat. And I'm just drinking more and more of the lake, wondering why isn't this working? Have you done that in your own life? Have you found yourself holding on to that which your confidence is going to work? Somebody told you this was going to work. And all you do is keep breathing water and probably blaming God for being underwater. I know that's where I've been. There have been times and seasons in which I'm fairly quick to put my dissatisfaction on God at a blame level, like somehow I'm a victim of his misconduct and therefore I'm breathing water. I'm underwater. That's not the case, but it's where I go because I find myself trapped in my own efforts to make it all work. And then I put it not working, I put that blame on God. Jesus' invitation here is so poignant to us. Come to me, receive from me, learn from me. Jesus' primary mission with us is to restore what has been broken. It's to replace what has been lost. It's to redefine the expectations by which we live. And it's to reestablish a way of living that really works. That's what Jesus has come to do. And that is his offer in this invitation. Come to me, all of you who feel and are living in exhaustion and overwhelmness, come to me, all anyone, everyone, anywhere, anytime, come. What he's offered in place of these things, he's, he's offered to fully charge us, not leave us exhausted, but to fully charge us up, free us up from the load we've been carrying that's overwhelmed us. That's huge to actually be able to live life freely from the inside out and then to experience fulfillment and fruitfulness as a way of life instead of never being satisfied. This is the invitation of Jesus to you and me. This wasn't a fresh picture Jesus was offering. It was just a poignant, timely, personal picture Jesus was offering. 
God actually established this picture way back in creation. There's a way to capture this that I hope will help you as it has helped me as I try to assess these different spaces my life falls out in and why those spaces are working or not working in my life. When God created the heavens and the earth, he did so in the Genesis account, chapter 1, over seven days. Actually, over six days. So if you're familiar with the story, it's not a surprise to you that he completed the creation of all things on the sixth day. So each day had its creation and its movement to the sixth day. And one of the things he created on the sixth day was mankind, you and me human beings. In the description of his creation of us, he describes our assignment. He gives us work to do. And then on the next day, instead of going, all right, tiger, go get it. Do your work. That's why you're here. It's all about the work. Instead of that, the very first day, he invites us to rest with him. He's resting. And you may find that as strange as I find it. God doesn't need to rest. He's God. He chose to. As a way of demonstrating to you and me, this is what's important to him. This is his priority. And it's his practice. It's his pattern. And he built it into all of creation. Most of you just woke up from a dark time of the day. It's called night. Who created this day and night thing? The God who prioritized rest. Where did this notion of Saturday, Sabbath, where, where did this come from? the God who made us? Where did these seasons come from that force all of creation to go to rest? God did. Here's a way to capture that. Track with me, see if this will help you. If we looked at the primary spaces of our life as God has described it, there's work life and there's rest life. And that's typically how we tend to look at it. We tend to start with our work life and go to rest. If you have traveled recently, and I know that's been greatly curtailed for many of us over the last two years. But one of the typical airport conversations are, well, hey, what do you do? Hey, what is it you do? Oh, man, yeah, I do a lot. Busy. We're busy a lot. Have you ever had anybody say, hey, hey, how's your rest? <laughs> My guess is, if that has happened to you, you moved seats. <laughs> Fair enough? Fair enough? Or you should have moved seats. Yeah, because we don't do that, right? Hey, man, oh, hey, tell me about it, because that's, that's going to tell me who you are, right? But God designed this, and there is a tension in it, but he gave us the opportunity to live life in a rhythm. So we'll capture that with a semicircle in this pendulum that's hanging here. Pendulums used to be a lot more common for us. Uh, in that we've gone digital, not as common. But imagine this, a pendulum swinging representing the movement of life, the rhythm of life, between rest and work. God has prioritized this over this. They're together, 
but they are competitive. Here's another way to look at this. God has acknowledged the tension that is here, and we can imagine this rest space as the space in which who I am as a person gets most attention and most development. The workspace is where I get to express the purpose and the design I've been made for, my contribution to this space. But we get confused about that, and we begin to spend more and more of our effort and energy over here in the workspace thinking that will define our personhood. I'm defined by what I do, which is contrast to I define who I am by who I'm being or becoming. And you know we're called human beings, not human doings. We, we know that. It doesn't change the fact that this is where we tend to go. And God said, hey, let's go here. Because who you are, what's really going on inside you and me, is far more important to God than what we do. With no loss of the importance and value of what we do. Do you get that? Here's what we tend to do. This would be a way of picturing this. If this is about being and doing, we tend to live outside this rhythm of life and it produces a dashboard that's flashing red alarm lights to us. When we give ourselves fully to this, it produces exhaustion. We can run faster, harder, longer, and we just still don't get there. What's that about? It's about exhausting myself in an effort to define myself by my work. And God said, no, 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 we're going to define ourselves over here in rest, in right relationship with me and with others. We're going to define it over here. When we live outside this rhythm, we go from exhaustion not to rest, we go from exhaustion to escape. And we know what that is. Like we know how that feels. We know what that does in our spirit. It just drains us. It, it takes away from us the very thing God has offered us, which is restoration and wholeness. And ultimately, it leaves us overwhelmed and broken. And we recognize this is going on in our life. We're just not sure what to do with it. And it's into that condition. Jesus comes and says, come to me. Come to me. See me. Hear me. Be vulnerable with me about what you're dealing with. Give it to me, and I'll offer you in the place my expectations and my burden. My expectations are doable, and my burden is carryable. Come, receive from me, learn from me. Jesus did this during his, only, his own earthly ministry here. There were these occasions where he would come up on people, and their needs were obvious. One of those is captured for us in his exchange with a blind man. He comes to the blind man and he asks the blind man, what would you want me to do for you? And you're like, do you notice he's blind? Why, why would you ask that question? Why do you think God would ask that question? Why would he ask it of you or of me? He asks the question so that we can take a step of honesty and humility and vulnerability and disclose what we need him to do for us. 
It's basically like a caregiver who you've gone to see, and as you share your needs with the caregiver, they ask the question, do you want to get well? Now, if the answer is simply, no, I want you to make me well, oh, this is going to take both of us. And the question is, what's the desire of your heart? Do you want to be well? Sometimes we get to define ourselves by the drama of our life. We feel the tension, we feel the unrest, the sense of exhaustion and overwhelmness, but we get comfortable with it. And we begin to try to make sense of it. It's in the drama of our life we define ourselves. And typically, if that's what we've embraced, we define ourselves in really unhealthy ways. Maybe we're a victim and we, we have no power and everything's against us and on us and woe is me and we're, we're just under it all the time. Or maybe we're a rescuer and we're going out and we're, we're helping you know, pull people up, we think, out of their condition because they, they can't and I can and, and we'll, we'll keep pulling them up and we realize, well, that's not working either for them or for me, for us. And Jesus is saying, hey, if, if these ways of trying to make it work are not working and you're ready to be honest about that, you're ready to be humble about that, just come. Come to me. Disclose that to me. Take the risk and be vulnerable. Share it with me. And I will replace it with that which is doable and carryable. That's what he's telling us here. Remember what he's come to do is to restore what has been broken. He's come to replace what's been lost. He's come to redefine expectations and that's huge. He wants us to know his for us, not ours for us, not others for us, not some person's sense of what God expects of us, but His for us as a result of direct relationship with Him, redefining expectations and then reestablishing a way of living that works. That's what Jesus has come to do. But we will need to find ourselves willing to answer His question of us, what would you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Do you want to get well? If you're burdened, exhausted by, overwhelmed by life's load, hear Jesus' invitation today. If you're carrying a broken down sense of dissatisfaction, you wake up each day wondering what won't go right today. In contrast to saying, today is a day God has planned, He's in charge, I'm going to walk it out with Him best I know how. And he's going he's gonna to train me to do that. He's going to teach me how to do that. If I can come to him with my brokenness, my overwhelmness, my exhaustion, he has said he will take that from me and he will grant me a life that works. It's pretty powerful. What a profound invitation and offer. Eugene Peterson, who wrote the message uh, version of the scriptures, captured the sense of this this way. Read it along with me. <clears throat> Are you tired, worn out, 
burned out on religion? What he's capturing in the burned out on religion phrase is, have you been trying to live out a way to connect with God and to live in life with him on the basis of other people's expressed expectations of that? Religion. There are those religions that have mastered guilt as a primary means of being in right relationship with God. And you're like, that's, that's not God's provision. But I discover that when I come to Him. When I get away with Him. And He says, when I do that, you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Not simply a Serta sleeper mattress night's sleep. It, He's talking about something that's in the deepest parts of who we are. Walk with me, he says, and work with me and watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. So I know for myself, I experienced it this morning. When I awoke this morning and began to consider today there was a flood of other things screaming for attention. Felt scrambled. Felt disoriented. I, I was not experiencing rest in my soul. A sense of resolution and wholeness about myself, which bled over into the work of today. And I found myself having to come to Jesus, not for the sake of the message, but for the sake of my own soul, for the need in my own heart to be brought to rest with him. It's a very active, ongoing work. There isn't a, hey, I got this figured out, done, we're, we're there. It, it, it's not that way. That's why the invitation is what it is. Come to me. Come to me again. Come to me again. See me and hear from me, but share with me. Open your hands. Tell me what you're dealing with. Be honest and humble and vulnerable. Let go of the rope you're holding on to to make it all work. I will provide you what works. That's what he says. There's a tension in all of this, isn't there? One of the hurdles he helps us overcome in that tension is he is described in the scriptures as gentle of spirit and humble of heart. He's just offering himself gently and humbly. Not harshly, not judgmentally, gently and humbly. That's who he is. As we were singing earlier in our worship, that's who you are. That's who you are. He wants you and me, all who will come to him, he wants us to know that's who he is and that's what he provides. There's a tension in this, isn't there? Holding on or letting go. Resisting or learning. Working harder, working more, striving or resting. Leaning into that which is necessary for my personal growth. That's the stuff of everyday life. That's, that's the reality we each wake up to every day. 
It may be close range with the most significant relationships in your life. It may be in your daily tasks and your work life. It may be in the environment that you're in. Whatever the nature of that exhaustion and overwhelmness is, God's inviting us to bring it to him. I mentioned earlier the rubber bands. If you just take a moment and uh, if you already have it on your wrist, great. If not, uh, put it on your wrist. Here's why. I'd love for us to have a reminder this week of a couple of things. One is we live life in tension, don't we? Do this with me. It's time to play. Take out your rubber bands. Hold it securely so you don't injure your neighbor. And just remind yourself, this is how life works. We're stretched and we return. We stretch and we return. What happens to a rubber band that stays fully stretched? It forgets who it is, right? It forgets to come back. Same thing happens with you and me, doesn't it? We're maxed out. We're putting our best into it. Our constant, we're running harder, longer, faster. We're, we're carrying everything we can carry until we just sometimes bail on it. We don't have to bail on it. We can come to God. This is the way life works. It, it, this is tricky now, I know. Doing it this way is a little different. <laughs> this is what happens in our relationship to God. We think God has standards and expectations of us. We, we just can't close the gap. And, and God says, hey, those, those aren't mine. Those are my come, come to me. I'll offer you mine and let's work them through. Let, let's receive from me, learn from me. Let's work them through. In this tension, if you will, my prayer is that what God will do through this week and beyond is he'll use the tension to get our attention. And we'll be reminded, oh yeah, there's an open invitation out there to me from Jesus. Come to me. All you who are living in constant tension, exhausted and overwhelmed, and I'll give you rest. I'm going to encourage you, if you've heard Jesus' invitation today and you just simply want to acknowledge it, it doesn't mean you have to believe, but if you just want to acknowledge that you've heard his invitation, uh, leave it on your wrist. In disobedience to your parents who told you don't leave rubber bands on your wrists, I know, because it'll cut off blood circulation, your hand will die and fall off, right? Isn't that what your parents taught you? I don't think that'll happen, but if that does happen, your hand turns color, please take off the rubber band. But if not, when you look at it during the course of the week, I hope you hear Jesus' words. Come to me. Bring your exhaustion and your overwhelmedness. Let's talk about the why of those. I have something much better for you. Give me your striving life. Let me offer you a freedom and fulfilling life. Let's make an exchange. By the way, if you're stubborn like I am, you can also snap yourself just to remind yourself, do I want to keep living in the drama and the pain that my own choices have produced for me? Or am I ready to come to Jesus and have a much more frank conversation and learn from him his ways?
and find life. Anyone, everywhere, anytime, any place, come to me, he says, and I will give you rest for your souls. Let's talk to that gentle and humble Savior here as we finish up. Jesus, you are the miracle-working light in the darkness. You are the provider of that which none of the things I try to do on my own in my own strength can do. You, you, you intervene. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Remind us this week of your invitation. Nudge us, prompt us. Maybe today you have stirred in hearts here and online. You, you've already been nudging, making us aware of the things we're holding on to that you're inviting us to let go of, to give to you. You know what to do with it. I don't. And in its place, you will give to us that which gives life. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Help us come to you this week. Thanks for loving us, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.